0: title of my message today is Climb That Mountain. So I want you to look at your neighbor with a little bit of attitude in you. I want you to look at him and say, you better climb that mountain. There you go, Tim. That, that was good. That was good, Tim. Yeah, he's, he put girl in front. He's like, girl, you better climb that mountain. Yeah, she, she's going to look at him in a minute and say, boy, let me tell you something. Climb that mountain. And so today I want to talk to you about in your spiritual life, it's important to get moving. It's important to get things in action. How many of you know we're all responsible for our own mental health, our own emotional health, our own physical health, but I'm responsible for my spiritual health as well, right? And so I need to get this thing moving. I need to get this thing in action. Uh, A good statement to write down is an active life is a healthy life. If you walk and you move and you exercise, your physical body is good. If you pray and you seek God and you have good relationships, your mental and emotional capacity can be great, right? If you play Candy Crush, your brain's going to go to waste. But if you do some serious mind games on a a game, they say you can actually sharpen your brain a little bit. But you need to stay active to lead a healthy life. So it is with your spirit. You need to be spiritually active to have a healthy spirit. Amen? So today I want to take from the life of Moses... I want us to pull from Moses' character today. Moses had good character. Moses is one of those guys you could just glean from him and you could take what he's got and you could just run with it and your life would automatically get better. And that's what I hope for us to do today. I wanna pull from his incredible habits and I hope that you choose to apply some of this to your life today. Moses is my new hero. I've studied Moses several times, but for some reason this time, like Moses just became, you know, that much better. Of course, he's got his place under God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He'll never take that place, but Moses is still cool. I'm going to get me a shirt made that says, Moses, legend. And I'm going to wear it to Walmart. It's a good place to wear it, right? Don't y'all think? Yeah, maybe Dollar General too? Yeah. I might even go to the lumber yard. You never know. But Moses is my new hero. And so today I want to just build Moses' story, give you the, the short version of how we get to the point in Exodus where God begins to do some incredible things in his life. Moses was born into a mass infanticide. You might not know what infanticide is. Moses was born into a time when they were murdering baby boys. Baby boys. They were killing baby boys. So Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, seen the Hebrew people multiply and begin to outnumber them. And so his solution to that problem was, let's wipe out a couple of generations of boys. So he gave a decree, an order, that every newborn boy must be killed. And here comes Moses, born into that. Pretty crazy, huh? Moses had a good mama, though. Come on. Come on. Ain't nothing like a good mama. Right? Moses' mom said, You ain't killing my baby. She took him, wrapped him up, made a basket, made the basket waterproof, figured it all out. A good mama's going to figure it out, right? She put him in a basket, she sent him down to Bayou, and she rebuked all the alligators from eating him. Cajun version. Until Moses ended up at Pharaoh's house. Wow, what a coincidence. Moses gets taken into Pharaoh's house and he starts to grow up in the house of an Egyptian. But as he's growing, he's starting to realize there's something different about me than there is these people. Like something's different. I'm not not like them. I'm living with them, but I'm not necessarily like them. I'm, I'm more like the slaves they own, but why am I living in their house? And confusion starts to hit and it starts to bother him because some things in his life are unsettled. He don't have answers for some things. Until he gets to a point where he learns that he is a Hebrew. That he comes from the same people that are slaves to Egypt. And so Moses, as he's going through his daily life, sees a Hebrew guy getting beat by an Egyptian slave. And he intervenes to save the slave's life. And in the process, murders the Egyptian. And then Moses, afraid for his life, runs. He runs into the wilderness and he ends up at Jethro's house. And eventually Jethro would become his father-in-law and Moses would be the shepherd of Jethro's flock until one day, say one one day. Until one day, Moses has an encounter with God. You see, we're all just one encounter from God or encounter with God from some radical things changing in our life. You're one encounter with God away from something breaking in your life. Encounters with God aren't reserved only for Sunday mornings or special services. Encounters with God are reserved for anyone who would be willing to open their life to an encounter with God. Anyone who would invite God in, anyone anyone who would say, God, I I need you. God, I need you. You set yourself up for an encounter with God. So let's pick up in Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, a priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't this bush burning up? I must go see it. And when the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him in the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses, responded. Now, what's really cool is that not only did Moses discover a bush that was burning that never burned up, but the bush spoke. You ever put two and two together? Like the bush called his name. That's crazy, right? Side note, God knows how to get our attention, especially men, right? If it would have been a 50% off at JCPenney, Moses would have walked on by. If it would have been a speed limit sign, Moses would have walked on by. But God put a bush on fire that didn't get consumed, and he spoke from it. And look at how Moses responds. Moses, this is just, God knows how to, how to get a man's attention. Watch this. Moses goes, that's amazing. That bush is on fire, and it's not burning up. I got to go check this out. God will get your attention. He knows how to get your attention. And on his way to checking it out, God calls his name. Can you remember when you first encountered God? Can you remember when, you first, when he first got your attention? I would encourage you to remember that today. Sometimes we got to go back to that. God calls Moses' name. Moses first encounters God on a mountain. He happens to be—it happens to be called the Mountain of God, which is Mount Sinai, which Moses would spend most of his life on this mountain, going up and coming down, going up and coming down, going up and coming down. The Mountain of God. God calls Moses' name for the first time on a mountain. Moses answers on the mountain. God gives Moses a mission on the mountain. God presents a problem, and then he presents a solution. Let's look at the problem for a minute. God says, Moses, there's a problem. There's a problem, Moses. He says, my people are in captivity, and I hear their cries for freedom. Ha, That's when they're laying in bed at night and and they're tired of being bound up and they're tired of being in chains and they're tired of not having any peace and they're tired of their life just being disorganized and and all out of sorts and and they're crying out for freedom. That's when you've fallen for the thousandth time to something that you so badly want freedom over and you cry out to God. God heard that cry. And there was a Problem. You see, the nation of Israel was sent by God to Egypt to rescue Israel. He sent them there to say, listen, you need to stay here. You need to rebuild. You need to multiply. You need to refresh. You need to renew your life. But this isn't the final destination. This is just a temporary place for you to rebuild. God never intended for it to become captivity because there was a promised land. there was a promised land that God really wanted them to be in. So sometimes we can fall in love with what God gives us and if we're not careful, we'll stay there too long until we get captive by it. It's not your final destination. So the problem is is God's hearing the cries of his people in captivity. You know what God told me? He says people are still crying today. There's people all over Eunice and Basil and Mamu and, and Lottel and even Praeronde. Y'all, y'all know what that is. Come Prayer Yeah, we just got some bad language. There's people all over still crying out today and God's still hearing the cries and God's looking for a man like Moses to send to set the people free. Here's the solution. God sends a man to free them. Could God have snapped his finger, spoke a word, and they'd be free? Yes, absolutely. I don't know why, but God chooses to use men and women. He chooses to use his creation to do his work. So God says, Moses, I want you to go set my people free then it gets real interesting. But I want you to understand something, that one man with God's authority can set a whole nation free. I didn't say one man with a degree. I didn't say one man with a, with a, with a degree from seminary. I didn't say one preacher. I said one man with God's authority can set a whole nation free. can set a whole nation free. I believe more people need to be set free today than ever before. If if you hear anything today, hear this, God hears the cry of his people that are still held captive, then he's calling us today, this little church right here in Eunice, to go and set the captives free. The question is, will we respond? I think sometimes we're too busy chasing idols, too busy being disappointed, distracted, passive, playing with our own struggles too long. When God gave you the extreme authority and power to deal with whatever you're dealing with and to move on. I want to show you something. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, I want to show you what this looks like for Moses because, man, Moses is really, I'm I'm really impressed with Moses. So he he meets God on the mountain with the burning bush, and God, the bush speaks, and Moses, and now all of a sudden he finds himself talking to God, right? So now all of a sudden God's telling him there's a problem, and he's the solution, and he don't want to be the solution. You ever ever been there before? Like, I don't want to be the solution. Not me, somebody else. Cole's not busy, send Cole. And Brendan, if you need to. (laughs) Verse 11, but Moses protested. What? Moses protested? You mean he told God no? Could it be Moses said no? You know, Moses and God are in this conversation. God says, I want you to go set my people free. Moses says, "Uh uh-uh, not me. Ain't doing it, ain't having it, not on my timeline, send somebody else. I'm sure one day somebody else in the middle of this desert is going to walk by and see this burning bush, you can send them, not me. God says, God comes back. This is what a relationship with God looks like, by the way. God comes back. He says, Moses, listen to me. My people are in captivity. They were never meant to stay that long. I'm sending you to go and set them free. Don't worry, I'll be with you. Uh Uh-uh, I ain't going. I refuse. I protest. I'm not going. Three times Moses protests to not go. Two times he pleads with God to send somebody else or do it a different way. This is really good. Because what you're starting to see in this conversation is you're seeing a dialogue, a back and forth. Like Moses didn't see the bush and go, oh, praise God, the bush is burning. I'll tell everybody about this. Moses engaged with God. And just because Moses didn't want to do what God didn't want him to do, and he said so, doesn't mean that God changed his mind about Moses. Doesn't mean that he threw him to the side. God is not afraid of a good dialogue. God loves a good dialogue. Let me tell you something right now. God loves a good dialogue. You know why? Because he shows us time and time again that he's not afraid to wrestle with our excuses. He's not afraid to to listen to our protest. (laughs) Let's pull something from Moses' character real quick. Even though Moses didn't want to do what God was telling him to do, here's what he did. This is his character. He did not walk away. How many times as believers do we wake up at six in the morning? Come on, it's the first of the year. Everybody trying. Right? Everybody's trying. I'm like, I gotta gotta get me with Jesus. Just like going to the gym. You're gonna give it two weeks and then you're gonna quit. Alarm set for six, waking up early. Got your Bible, got your headphones in. You're listening to worship music. Oh, praise you, Jesus. I love this. This is so good. And you start to read his Bible. And then he says, Hey, they got Susie at work. She's bound up. I need you to set her free. Well, God, it was good talking to you. See you later. How often does that happen? How often do we stay engaged in a monologue and not a dialogue, where it's always a one-sided conversation, like God's our handyman, and all of a sudden we need to give him a to-do list every day, he, like he works for us now. You know what happens when we do that? When we close the book too early and we walk away the minute he tries to talk, you know what happens to us? This may help you a little bit. This may help you understand why you struggle to be in the word and to pray and to and to listen. This may help you understand that. As soon as we close the book, walk away and don't listen or don't dialogue, watch what happens. Here comes Satan. Here comes the enemy to get you bound in captivity to get you guilty, to make you shameful, to get you condemned. Why? Because you know God wanted to speak, but you walked out on him. So now you don't go back because you think he's mad at you. So now you sit here for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, six weeks, three months, and you hadn't read your Bible, you hadn't prayed, you hadn't talked to God. Last time you called Jesus' name was when somebody scared you. And you're sitting over here living a fruitless life, condemned. The character we need to take from Moses today is that no matter what he wanted to do or not, he put his foot down and he said, God, we're going to wrestle this out. And he protested three times. And he pleaded three times until God gave him the final answer. And then he went and did what God told him to do. Here's the question. Can you stay long enough for God to speak? Can you stay long enough to get some instructions for the day, every day? Can you stay long enough God's not offended by a good dialogue as long as he gets the final word. And by the way, if you're going to give excuses, you just as soon give them to God because he's the only one that can really take them away. Side note. Fast forward to Exodus 19, so Moses goes, he takes off, he goes into Egypt, he, he addresses the, the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people, he was worried they wouldn't receive him, they receive him right off the bat, he goes, oh man, this is good, God ends up sending Aaron with him, because Moses just kept protesting and, and pleading, so God sends Aaron with him who becomes a problem later on, but God, God pacified him, God sent Aaron with him. And he goes and he begins to address Pharaoh and Pharaoh changes his heart and Pharaoh starts to get harder on the people and he's trying to turn the nation of Israel, the Hebrews against Moses and he's trying to cause division just like Satan would do, right? And so this wrestle's going on and it happens and then finally Pharaoh has enough, all these plagues happen, all these crazy things happen and Moses had this cool stick when he threw it down, it turned into a snake, what? My my issue is like, you had to pick it up? you tripping and then they cross the Red Sea how cool is that come to the other side and they're on their way to this promised land and they're about two months into the journey and we pick the story up in Exodus 19 it says then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God the Lord called him from the mountain and said give these instructions to the family of Jacob announce it to the descendants of Israel Two months into the journey, Moses climbs a mountain to appear before God. Moses goes and he goes after God. Notice Moses climbed before God spoke. Why speak if you're not going to climb? Did y'all see that? Moses climbed the mountain because he wanted to be with God. And God saw him coming up. And he said, Come on, Moses, I got something to tell you. And God gives him some instructions to give to the nation of Israel. Here's the instructions. He says this. He says, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my special treasure, my kingdom of priests, and my holy nation. It's a promise with a condition. God, God, I don't know why, but God loves this. Gotta go, okay, I tell you what, if you do this, I'll do that. And his, his part is always better than our part. That's how good God is. He goes, I tell you what, if you'll just do what I tell you to do and keep my covenant, you're going to be special to me. Look at your neighbor and say, I told you you were special. It's a promise with a condition. Now, men, let me speak to you for a minute. I want you to hear me today, I want you to look at me. All you men married not married single whatever it is God's calling you up on the mountain to give you instructions for your family to give you instructions for your friends to give you instructions for anyone who would follow after you your coworkers Anybody you would run into at any time. God's calling you up the mountain to give you instructions. Don't get mad at me. God made you the head of the house, so I didn't. And it's okay if you got some excuses. Bring them with you. God's good at taking excuses. Excuses. Bring all your excuses. The most important thing is you just climb the mountain and go meet with God and get some instructions for your family. Climb the mountain. Pack all them excuses with you. You may come down a little bit lighter. Amen? He's calling you. Doesn't mean a woman can't climb. Doesn't mean women aren't supposed to be in the presence of God they are, but God calls the man to lead the family. Amen, Pastor Jamie. That is true. Don't be mad at me. So, what's the issue? What's the issue? Why you won't climb the mountain? Why you have a hard time climbing the mountain? What you afraid of? You afraid God might find out your secrets? Newsflash. He already knows. He's still calling you up the mountain. What's, what's the excuse? Well, that woman. You're going to be like Adam? That woman you gave me. That woman right there. She the not want to eat the apple. You want to game it all crazy woman, we wouldn't have fell. What's the excuse? I feel a little bit of resistance today. A little pushback. Some of you don't like that. Some of you men don't like to be called out. Some of you men don't like to be told that you're the head of the household and you're supposed to lead. You don't like to be told you need to climb that mountain and get some instructions for your family. Some of you want to stay in passivity. Some of you want to stay chasing your own idols and doing and playing with your own secrets and you don't want to go up and get a word. Some of you don't want to get a word cuz you don't want to tell your wife the word. Yeah, right. Word? <laughs> Here's the thing I love about Moses. There was nobody else. He was the only dude on the mountain in the desert. God met him where he was, and God called him where he was. There was no other option. Moses was the man, and men, listen to me. You are the man. God gave you that family. He gave you that family to lead it, not to follow it. By the way, if he calls you to lead, then he designed you to lead. Right? So Moses comes down, he gives the instructions. He basically tells them this, you keep God first, God will keep you special. Then God says, you know what, I want to share my presence with the people. So God God sets it up. He says, Moses, set it up. I'm going to come down and I'm going to speak to the people. (laughs) Everybody wants to be in God's presence until they really get in his presence. So Moses sets it all up, and God says, there's going to be some smoke, and I'm going to come down, and you're going to hear me speak. It was, you can almost read like God's almost nervous at this point, because he's like, Moses, make sure there's barricades. Like, nobody needs to storm up on me like the Capitol. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the, just make sure the people stay back. God, like, says that several times. And so they set barricades around the, the foot of the mountain, and smoke comes down, and there's thunder, and there's lightning, and, and then God speaks. The whole nation is standing there, and God speaks. You know what he said? He gave them the Ten Commandments right from his mouth. You know what happened to the people? They freaked out. I'm serious. They tripped out, freaked out, were scared to death. They came to Moses and said, bro, listen, Uh, uh-uh. you talk to God. We'll listen to you. We don't want to talk to God. I don't want to hear his voice. Like, I'm scared. So they, the Bible says they beg Moses to speak for them. But he wanted to speak to them. You see, God's not, God's not overly focused on it just being him and Moses. God wants to spend time with every one of us. God wants to talk to every one of us. Did you hear me? He's not content with just speaking through Moses. He's trying to share his presence with a whole nation of people that he loves. He loves them so much, he pulled them out of captivity. And he's bringing them to a promised land. And he just wants to hang out with them. Watch this from the beginning of the book to the back of the book, God's constantly trying to hang out with his people. But his people are tripping. And they're afraid and they're scared. Question for you, how long are you going to let somebody else speak to you for God? How long are you going to sit behind other people and just, and just hide and just go, I tell you what, you, you talk to God. You talk to God and you tell me what God said. Go to a life group. Yeah, I signed up for a life group. Great. We celebrate with you that you signed up for a life group. But you know what? We got more plans for you than that. One day we want you to lead them. Oh, no. Here comes the protest. Oh, no. I ain't leading no life group. Why not? Because I don't want to talk to God. And I don't want to tell other people what God told me because I can't handle it. How long? Listen to me. How long? Are you going to sit behind other people and let them talk to God for you and hear from God for you? Heard a story in South, from a friend of mine in South Africa. She was over at children's, their children's department and, and she, she heard about this little girl who was, whose mama was struggling, and the story goes, God told the mama something. The mama had never heard God's voice before. God told the mama something, and the mama went and saved the little girl from killing herself. How long are you going to be dependent on somebody else hearing from God for you? I need God every day. I need, I need God every day to be a good husband. I need God every day to be a good father. I need God every day to be a good human. I need God every day to be a good, a good pastor and a good friend. I'm not content with letting other people do in my talking. I refuse to let everybody else do my talking and my listening. I'll listen to them. Oh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to become independent. I'm going to listen to them. And I'm going to glean and I'm going to learn, just like you're learning from me today. That's good. This is healthy. But this can't be all you got. You can't just get it on Sunday and then sometime during the midweek. You can't live on that alone. You need God every day. You need God every day. And he wants to talk to you. Is this making sense? It gets better. Exodus 24. It's about to get a little crazy. Exodus 24. Moses is going up and down the mountain. Remember, God's trying to spend time with His people. He wants people to experience His presence. It's not just Him and Moses. Chapter 24, I'm going to read the chapter to you. Watch what it says. Then the Lord instructed Moses, come up here to me and bring along. So now he's inviting other people. Bring along Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and 70 of the Israel elders. So there's Aaron, Nabad, or Nadab, Abihu, and then 70 elders. So there's 73 plus one is Moses, right? And then Moses had an assistant, Joshua. So there's 75 people that get invited into God's presence this time. The first time, everybody freaked out. (laughs) God said, let me call the elders. So he says, all of you must worship from a distance. Only Moses is allowed to come near to the Lord. The others must not come near. And none of the other people are allowed to climb up the mountain with him. Then Moses went down to the people and repeated all the instructions and regulations the Lord had given him. All the people answered with one voice we will do everything the Lord has commanded. How many times have we said that? Then, then Moses carefully wrote down all the Lord's instructions. Early the next morning, Moses got up and built an altar at the foot of the mountain. He also set up 12 pillars, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he spent some of the, then, he, then he sent some of the young Israelite men to present burnt offerings and to sacrifice bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. This is crazy. Watch this. Moses drained half the blood from the animals into basins. The other half, he splattered all over the altar. So this dude's throwing blood all over the altar. Then he took the blood, or he took the book of the covenant and read read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Second time they said that. When Moses took the blood, then Moses took the blood from the basin and splattered it over, all, over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you and giving you these instructions. Then Moses, Aaron, Nadab, Abihu, and the 70 elders of Israel climbed up the mountain. Wait. God said they couldn't go up the mountain. Didn't he? Back it up. You can't come up, not, only Moses can come up the mountain, right? Did he not just say that a couple of verses ago? Did you catch that? Like, y'all cannot come up the mountain. But all of a sudden, God says, Y'all come up the mountain. What changed? The only thing that changed was the blood, right? Moses threw blood on them. (laughs) They were covered in blood. And then God changes his mind. He says, oh, y'all can come on up. Why? Because they're covered in blood. So what does that mean, Pastor? Because you're really tripping me out right now. I'm not dealing with this whole blood thing. Like, what's up with the blood? Well, Jesus shed his blood. And it's by his blood that your sins have been washed away. And it's by the blood of Jesus that you went from being an enemy of God to now you're a friend of God. From being someone who had to stay at the bottom of the mountain to someone who can now climb a mountain. All because of the blood. The blood washes away your sin. God really wants to get close to you now. Isn't that cool? So God says, Y'all come on up. (laughs) Isn't this good? Verse 10, it gets even better. There they saw the God of Israel. What? Under his feet, there seemed to be a surface of brilliant blue lapis lazuli. I don't even know what that is. As clear as the sky itself. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. So, okay, so, so let's, let's make this real simple. God gave instructions. Y'all stay down there. Moses is going to come up. I'm going to show myself to you, blah, blah, blah. Moses does this sacrifice, does this altar thing, this weird blood thing, right? And then he sprinkles them with blood. They're covered in blood now. And all of a sudden, God goes, you know what? Y'all come on up. And not only do you, need to, you get to come on up, I'm going to let you see me. And you're not going to die. it gets better in fact they ate a covenant meal eating and drinking in his presence are you kidding me like if you saw God you were supposed to die immediately but now all of a sudden they're covered in blood and they can just come on into the presence of God like never before why isn't that amazing believer believer person who got saved, who got washed in the blood, you can go on in. You can be in his presence. You can sit down and eat with him. Isn't that amazing? It sounds an awful lot like the book of Revelations in chapter three, where God says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together. Watch this, as friends. So they had a meal with God. And they didn't die. That's kind of like when your friends say you drive bad. Say, man, you drive bad. Yeah, but did you die? Right? It's like, I hung out with God. Really? But did you die? No, idiot, I'm talking to you. I did not die. God didn't kill me. Come on, somebody. God didn't kill me. In fact, he he said I can come back tomorrow. In fact, he said I can come back as often as I want. I can come up and I can come down. I can come up and I can come down. I don't have to even ask sometimes. I just need to start heading his way. And the Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain, stay here or stay there, and I will give you the tablets of stone, which I've inscribed in the the instructions and commands so you can teach the people. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out, and Moses climbed up the mountain of God. In other words, Moses is going a little further. Moses told the elders, stay there and wait until until I come back. He said, Aaron and her are here, so if you have any disputes, you can consult with them. Then Moses climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. to the Israelites at the front or at the foot of the mountain, the glory of the Lord took, appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. Then Moses disappeared into the cloud. as he climbed higher up the mountain, he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights.. <laughs> Oh, what a story. 40 days and for what does it take to stay on a mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, y'all? And what's the deal with the mountain? Like God don't like flatland. He don't like rice fields. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Like, why I got to be a mountain, Lord? Like, what's up with the mountain? What you got going on with the mountain? You know what happens on the mountain? You know what happens on the way up the mountain? Stuff starts dying. Come on, you ever tried to go walking and you ain't walked in 20 years? You're like, I'm going four miles. You get four blocks and you're dying. Oh, I I got that old bad hip. I got to go back home. I don't want to irritate it. You know what happens when you climb a mountain and you're looking and you're seeking after God? Stuff inside of you has to die. It has to die. All your excuses start to die. All your doubt starts to die. All your opinion starts to die. your view of yourself starts to die. Your value of God starts to rise, and the value of yourself starts to die. Because you start to understand that when I'm climbing this mountain, I'm going to something greater than me, that means I must not be nearly as good as he is. I need him. So we take all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our excuses, all of our drama, and we start climbing these mountains and we start dying. Abraham climbed a mountain, he climbed it with his son. God called Moses up for 40 days and 40 nights. What's stopping you from climbing a mountain? Hmm? I said, what's stopping you from climbing a mountain? Moses got in the habit of being with God. In Exodus chapter 34, Moses had been up and down the mountain several times. It became his habit. It became his nature. It became something he looked forward to doing climbing that mountain. Every time I climb it, something dies. Every time I come down, I'm alive. Moses started to understand the power of meeting with God. Moses starts meeting with God so regular that it starts to change the way he looks. Like he's almost been in the sun too long. He's getting radiant, the Bible says. at this time, God, God had him build an ark of the covenant which was on the flat ground. Come on, somebody, that's mercy. It's like God, all right, bro, you can't climb the mountain. I tell you what, I'm gonna make a flat spot over here for you. God wants to be with you. He'll change his mind on a few things to come. So Moses goes in to the Ark of the Covenant and then he comes out and then he goes in and then he comes out and then he goes in and then he comes out and he he does this so often. He's so consistent in meeting with God that the Bible says his face gets radiant. Look at what it says. And the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face so he, would, so he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. Now that's what you call a relationship with God. Come on, somebody. When you're so consistent and you're so regular and you understand the importance of it that you keep on going until something on you changes. I'm telling you right now, I'm convinced we stop too short too fast. We give up way too easy. We quit way too soon. And we definitely complain way too much. You might want to write this down. Regular meetings with God can change everything. Even your face. He'll turn your frown upside down. He'll put a twinkle back in your eye. He'll put some color in your face. And instead of being all pale and dead with your chin down and your head looking down like you're all beat up, you walk bad, you look bad, you look like death again, and you're all beat down from the enemy, he'll pick your face up. He'll pick your chin up. I can tell when people have been with God. Come on, I'm serious. Like I can tell when people have been with God because they walk a little bit faster and they got a little swagger, right, because they've been with the man. They've been with God. So when you've been with God, you walk out with some confidence and you take longer steps and you you put your foot down a little bit harder and you walk with some purpose and some intention and your chin comes up and your eyes get brighter and you look at your situations different and you say, you know what, you might rise up against me, but I'm going to walk over you. And instead of bowing down to everything around you, you speak to it. You walk over it. Get out my way. Your marriage starts going bad. I'm not standing for that. I'm going up. I'm going up and get a word. I'm going up and get God change my heart. Come on. Tragedy happens. I'm not getting distraught. I'm going up. Depression tries to come into your camp. Oh, no, buddy. I'm not hanging out with you. I'm going up. Regular meetings with God can change everything, even your face. So let me finish up. Fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus. We've got a couple examples real quick, then I'm going to come back and finish with Moses. Jesus, Jesus regularly, the Bible says, gets up early and goes up a mountain to pray. I don't know what it is. It's just something about going up. Jesus doesn't go here, and he definitely don't go here. He goes up, right? He takes Peter, James, and John up on the mountain one day for a very cool experience. They get to see Jesus' body transformed, like he becomes almost like a ghost type of thing, and he's radiant, and he's bright, and he's clothed in white, and they're like, what happened to Jesus? And then all of a sudden, two other people appear. Elijah's one of them. And guess who shows back up? Moses. Back on top of that mountain again. I think Moses got used to being on top of the mountain. I think he kind of likes it. He's Moses. He likes it. Jesus has his greatest His greatest meeting with his father on the Mount of Olives, where he wrestles out. In a sense, he protests and debates with God about how this salvation is going to work out. And he stayed and he didn't walk away. And at the end of it all, he said, God, you have your way. Jesus went up with a cross on his back. And there he gave up his life for you and I. The disciples learned how to go up. They watched Jesus go up into the clouds when he ascended into heaven, right? They were watching him and all of a sudden he disappears and then goes, what y'all looking for? <laughs> they went up into a room and started to pray until the Holy Spirit fell on them. Did you hear that? They went up into a room and prayed until God answered. They didn't just throw one up and say, well, get to us when you can, put us on the list. No, they prayed until God showed up. When are we going to stay and pray till God shows up? Peter went up on a rooftop to pray. And because he did, the Gentiles got the gospel. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But before you start booking trips to the mountains, let me clear something up. Psalms 121 says it this way, I look up to the mountains, does my help come from there? So don't fall in love with a mountain. (laughs) Don't start booking trips to Georgia and Tennessee, I got to get to the mountains, that's where God is. No, look at what the rest of the verse says, does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the mountains. you know god has a plan for us when everything starts to break loose when things start to fall apart god has a plan for us when crisis hit when offenses come when depression comes when loneliness sets in when tragedy strikes we don't run we're not made to run run to god but not run from our problems. Running from your problems gets nobody anywhere, right? You weren't made to run. You weren't made to hide. You weren't made to give up. You weren't made to go to other people first. You weren't made to do any of those other things. You're made to go up. We go up to the Father. By the way, who's calling your name? Who's knocking on the door? In the morning. I want you to listen for this right here. Just listen. First thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. He's knocking on your door. Hey, I want to hang out with you today. Me and you. One on one time. You gonna open that door. You gonna open that door? Or is work more important? You gonna open that door? Or is life more important? You open that door, God's got something good for you. This last part, I'll be honest with you, I got emotional this week. Like I told you, I wasn't clowning. I really fell in love with Moses all over again. I fell in love with his life. (laughs) And this last chapter of Moses' life got me to thinking about some things. <clears throat> it's in Deuteronomy chapter 34. It says, then Moses went up to Mount Nebo. What? Not Sinai? Nope. God sent him up a different mountain this time. Moses went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed the Pishka, Mount, the Pishka Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim, And Manasseh, all the land of Judah, extended into the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms, as far as Zor. So God shows him all this land. He's got to get high enough up on the mountain to see it. Did you hear that? You got to get high enough to see what God wants you to see. He sees all this land. And look at what God says, verse 4. Verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, this is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've now allowed you to see it with your own eyes. But you will not enter into the land. Part of the emotions I was feeling was like, golly God, Like this dude dealt with your people like he was a good shepherd he can't go into the promised land part of me feels like it's a foul like that's not right but then i started to understand something just because i felt that way doesn't mean moses did God says but you will not enter this land Verse 5, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. So he dies. And Moses' life comes to an end three books later. A life spent up the mountain, down the mountain, up the mountain, down the mountain, in the ark, out the ark, face to face with God. And he dies. And he doesn't get to go into the promised land. And I'm like, man, that stinks. But you know what I I was, I became aware of? Is that I'm leading my family to a promised land. Now, ultimately, that's eternity. That's heaven, right? But there's promised lands along the way. There's better lands than what we're currently in. There's out of captivity into a better land. So God's leading my family that way. And me and God, we're face to face sometimes, and I'm protesting, and I'm pleading, and he's he's taking away my excuses, right? And we're dialoguing this thing out. But I will get to a place where God will say, you will not enter this next place, only your children will. And I had to ask myself, are you gonna be okay with that? And you know what the answer was? You betcha. Because I got so much along the journey, I don't need a promised land. I don't need the next place. I've already had the experiences with God along the way. So Moses wasn't in love with the promised land as much as he was in love with the God who he served. Amen? So Moses dies in Moab. Here's the really beautiful part. Verse 6, the Lord buried him in the valley of Beth Peor in Moab. But to this day, no one knows the exact place. Who buried Moses? The Lord did. The Lord buried Moses. That's how close they were. The Lord buried him. I don't know if the Bible says any other place that he buried anybody else. He took some people alive and just sucked them out. I don't know, whatever, beat me up, Scotty, but he's done that. That's cool too, I'll take that option too, but if I die, would you bury me? Verse seven, Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyesight was clear and he was as strong as ever. God. You know, when you serve God and you listen to God and you do what he says and you follow after him even when you don't want to, things just start to go better for you. Things just start to go well. And he might just like it so much that he takes you out of here before you get sick and decrepit. Verse 8, the people of Israel mourned for Moses on the plains of Moab for 30 days until the customary period of mourning was over. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Verse 10, 11, and 12, you've got to pay attention to this. Listen to what it says. There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew, how did he know him? Face to face. There was nobody else in between. Moses didn't need nobody to speak for him. He didn't need nobody to talk to God for him. Moses went to God himself face to face. That tells me this, tells me a couple quick things. I can go to God because I'm washed in the blood, and I can also receive from God because I'm washed in the blood, and I can also hear God because God speaks. The Lord sent him to perform all the miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh and all his servants and his entire land with mighty power. <laughs> Moses performed terrifying, come on, somebody, terrifying acts. Yeah, I'm not as excited about that as I was. I'm like, he, did ter- he didn't do these nice, pretty little acts. Like Moses did some terrifying acts like stuff that makes people nervous in the sight of all Israel. But never has there been another prophet like in Israel, like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray. And I want to start by asking you a question. <clears throat> if you died today how would the last chapter of your life read would it be like Moses would it read there's been nobody else like him that knew God face to face If you lived for another 10 years, how can the last chapter of your life read? If you lived for 20 years, how will the last chapter of your life read? No matter how long you go from today, how will the last chapter of your life read? When they sum it up, standing around celebrating your life what's going to be said about you what will your children say what will your grandkids say what will your great grandkids say what will your great great grandkids say about you because you see every day every situation whether we go up or not we get to choose to climb every day and in every situation I get to choose to climb and I pray today that you climb that mountain get with God. You don't let the enemy keep you back. You don't let life keep you back. You don't let disappointment keep you back. You don't let hurt keep you back. Bondage keep you back. Addictions keep you back. Climb the mountain. Bring all of it with you. I pray we'll take from the character of Moses the power to stay. Not afraid to dialogue, not even afraid to protest. Help us to understand, God, that you would rather us stay in protest than to walk away and pretend. God, teach us how to climb. Give us ears to hear your voice say, come up here. When life falls apart and things go crazy and sideways and we're tempted to act like the world, God, when we hear your voice, it says, come up here. Just come up here. Come here. I got something for you. Just come here. It's going to be okay. Come up here. God, I pray with all of our baggage, we'll take one step at a time. mountains, men that no matter what's going on, I'm going to sit with God. I'm going to dine with God. I'm going to open that door. I'm going to sit with him. And when he's done, then I'm going to get up and come meet with you. But I'm going to meet with God. I pray that over these men today, God, that there'll be a burning passion for your presence like never before. God, help us to see how you see us. Help us to take with both hands the authority that you've given us to set the captives free. Until the cries quit from captivity, help us, Lord. Move in us. Maybe you're here today and you've been guilty of walking away too early. And you find yourself somewhere at that place where I described where you, you, you just, when God starts to speak, you just walk out. You don't wanna hear it and then you live in guilt and shame. Maybe that's where you're at or maybe you're somewhere in between there and where Moses is today. And you realize that I've been guilty of being distracted chasing idols living for myself consumed with my own problems I want us to take care of that today I want you to pray something like I'm praying as I pray I want you to pray whatever it is that you've done Sort that out with God right now. Father, we come to you today guilty of walking away too early, being too afraid, not wanting to hear what you want to say, quitting too early, giving up too soon. Not being willing to fight until you show up, fight until something changes. Forgive us, God. Forgive us for being distracted with our own emotions, with our own health, with selfishness. Forgive us for being disappointed, discouraged, depressed us for complaining and making excuses forgive us God say this when we say I failed but I know your blood too late to come back. from God. A very specific word from God. Anybody? Nobody raise their hand. I'll just walk out. Here's a specific word from God. Stop allowing the enemy to keep you from climbing the mountain. From opening the door. However he's doing that. The Holy Spirit should have revealed that to you today. Stop letting him keep you. Love you. God bless you. Have a great week.